Matthew chapter 5. You there? Yeah. All right. Verse 13 says this. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Verse 14. You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Every shall light. No, come on. Every shall light. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather a lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. And in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Come on, let's sing this song this morning. This little light of mine. Come on. Come on, team, help us out over here. Come on, come on. This service obviously didn't go to church. <laughs> Come on, how many of you have heard that song before? Yeah. Yeah. We're bringing it back next week. Um, Bring it back next week. This is what this verse is dealing with. So today as we continue on in our series, The Violence of Good, I want to speak to you from the subject, a city within a city. A city within a city. As we look at the culture, call, and character of the local church, and specifically the well on this launch Sunday. Will you pray with me just one more time? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's alive and it's active, it's powerful, that it has the ability to transform us from the inside out. And so God, I just ask that you would speak to us right now. You would teach us right now. We thank you for every victory this morning. We thank you for the people that said yes in both of our locations, in both of our services this morning. Father, we just thank you for all the amazing things that you're doing in this place. And so we look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. You are good. And so it is with that that we give you our hearts in this moment. We open our minds to you. Speak to us right now. We're listening in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Show of hands. How many of you love to travel? Where are my travelers at? Okay. How many of you travel? Okay. That, how many of you love cities? Like you like to travel to cities. Like you love cities. Where are my New York people at? Do I got any? You love? How many? How many people love New York? Like if you're like, I want to go. I want to go to New York. Okay. A few of you. What about Chicago. Any people are like? All right. All right. What about my West Coast crew? How many, how many of you are like L.A.? I, wanna, I love going to L.A., right? Seattle. How many of you love going to Seattle? All right. No one cares about Portland. Um, so, so I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> I love cities. I, I love traveling to cities. Eric and I are fans of traveling to cities and going to check things out. Many of the vacations or times that we've been able to hang out, we'll go check out a new city. One of our favorite cities in the world is Vancouver. Um, we love Vancouver, Canada. Uh, I have a really cool opportunity this year. In a little while, I'm going to be traveling to Calgary um, to preach to a brand new church plant there, um, which, is, which is really awesome. I'm excited about that. So just love, love cities, love everything that goes with cities. And this is why. How many of you agree with me? Cities have culture. That's what I love about cities. And even, even our city is becoming more cultured as it continues to grow and, and move forward. But I love the culture of cities. Well, if I go to New York, I love the culture of New York. I, I, I don't ever want to stay in New York. No, ever at all. <clears throat> Not even a thought crosses my mind. But I love the culture, I love you know, the boroughs and the different neighborhoods you can go into. It's really, really cool. And, and uh, I love traveling to different big cities because of the culture that, that, that exists there. I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but culture is actually a really important thing. And when you travel to cities, it's, it's really interesting to me because like New York, right, you step into New York and, and everybody has a certain thing that they're going to they're gonna do because that's like the culture of New, New York, right? It's like when you go to Seattle. Have you ever noticed, like you travel to Seattle or Portland, like the minute you get off the plane, it's like, I want a coffee. 
You ever noticed that before? You're like, oh, I just want a coffee. You don't really want a coffee, but that's just what you do. Like, it's rainy, it's gray, it's depressing, I need a coffee, right? <laughs> and then when you go to LA, right, you, you go to LA and all of a sudden you dress different on your way to LA than you would here. Why? Because I'm going to LA, hey, right? Like that's, that's what we do. Why? Because we are assimilating to the culture. There's certain cultural values. I remember we went to South Carolina for a conference in South Carolina, and I bought these shoes because it was South Carolina, and we were near this dock area. That was where the hotel was at. So I bought boat shoes because I was like, that's what you do in South Carolina, boat shoes with no socks and khakis. (laughs) Then I wore it, and I was like, no, this is awful. (laughs) Why? There's a distinct culture. And we love, into, like, we love interacting with that culture and, and feeling the culture, being a part of the culture. It makes us feel like a part of something. And, and here's right here Jesus is saying to us, hey, listen, I need my church to not fit into the culture, but to be a culture that culture looks to. So he says to us, we are a city on a hill that what? Can't be hidden. Kevin, how many of you would agree with me? Cities, you, you can't, like, they can't be hidden. You know when you're, when you're moving into a city, you know when you see the city, it's, right, it's just right there for you. I love flying in to our state. I love coming from the airport and you get that first glance of our, of our downtown area. I love our city. I love our state. I love when you fly into Seattle and you get to see the city and you can see the space. You know why? Because cities can't be hidden. And what we need to understand as a church right now is that we are entering into a new moment as a church. If you're a guest with us this weekend, it's a little bit different of a weekend because we just launched our new downtown location. And we're super excited about this, but we felt like it was necessary for us to really dig into what's happening right now and help us understand that we are a city within a city. A city that shouldn't be hidden. A city that's been set on a hill. A city that's pointing people to Jesus. A city that is, is, is full of hope and joy and excitement and is pressing forward into everything that God has for us. Why? Because we are a, we're a city. Built this city. <laughs> we built this city. I'm not going to finish the rest. Okay. <laughs> How many of you love that song? It's such a good song. Right. Where are my 80s people at in the house? Come on, somebody. 80s, man. That was when you could eat dirt and no one cared. You could skateboard without a helmet, ride your bike with no pads, jump other children. You talking about? Remember those days? Come on, guys. Remember those days? You'd set up a ramp and line children up and jump over them. And parents were like, ah, they'll be good. They'll be good. So what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about a city within a city. I want to talk about some things that we need to understand about our city and how we've been called to impact our city. So I need your help this morning. Come on, shout number one. First one is this, is a city has a distinct culture. A city has a distinct culture. I love this. Acts chapter 2, verses 41 to 47. It says this, so those who accepted his message were baptized, and that day about 3,000 people were added to them. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were being performed through the apostles. Now all the believers were together and held things all in common. They sold their possessions and property and distributed the proceeds to all as any had need. Every day they devoted themselves to meeting together in the temple and broke bread from house to house. They ate their food with joyful and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Every day the Lord added to their number those who were being 
saved. That was the culture of the early church. This is the, a, a brand new church. Jesus had risen from the dead. He told his disciples, look, I need you to get on mission and, and start moving and grooving and doing what I've called you to do. We see the day of Pentecost at the beginning of Acts. They are empowered with the presence and the spirit of God. And now all of a sudden you start to see the small little group of people start to transform into a larger group of people. And people were being added day by day. And then there was this culture that was starting to take place. And we read it right here in Acts, the culture of the early church. They were in harmony with one another. They were loving with one another. What I love is so many people say, like, we should just go back to that. We should go back to the early church. It sounds so awesome. Because how many of you agree with me? Like, church has changed. Right? Church has changed. It's the problem with going back to the early church. We do have to remember, like, they were being killed. Just put that out there. We've progressed. <laughs> but there are some things right here in Acts 2 that we can definitely gain from them. And the biggest one is this, is that they had a culture. I think one of the, one of the things that's taken place in, in church, specifically, and the reason we got to talk this way this week, how many of you know the past three weeks, the beginning of this message, this series, has been pretty surgical? How many of you know after good surgery, you need a little bit of rest before another one? <laughs> Today's the rest. We'll go back to surgery next week, all right? But culture's important for us to understand. It used to be that people would talk about vision a lot more. Vision, where are you going? What are you doing? How many of you agree you've heard this before? Like, I need to have a vision for my life. You have like one-year plan, a three-year plan, a five-year plan. I never wrote any of those plans. <laughs> I just was like, ah, I'll wing it. Um, we per pursued and we went forward and, and I started to realize, oh, vision's important, vision's important. But as I've grown more and more and as I've gotten older, I've realized that yes, while vision is important, culture, I actually think, is equally, if not more important. Because how many of you know it's one thing to get to a destination? That's your vision. To know where you're going. But how many of you know it's even more important to understand how you get there? Yes. So vision's one thing, but how you get there is another thing. Because how many of you know if you're driving to California from here to go to Disneyland, your destination, your vision is Disneyland, and you know you got to go through Vegas and you got to go through all that desert stuff, how many of you would be like, ah, I think I'm going to hard pass when someone pulls up to you and says, this is the car you're going to take to Disneyland. And you look at it and it's like a 19-something Pinto and it's smoking and it, you know, it's clunking around and everything like that. You're like, yeah, no, probably not. I'm not, not going to take that to, on, on my journey. Why? Because that's the vehicle that's more than likely going to break down in the middle of Vegas. Right? You don't want that. And I'm not going to put four screaming kids in there with no iPads. <laughs> Here's what I've come to realize. Vision is my destination, but culture is the vehicle in which we get there. If we have a vision for our life, if we have a vision for our church, if we have a vision for our families, the culture, the vehicle is equally as important. How we get there is important. And I think one of the reasons that the church has lost its potency is because our vehicle has become benign. There's no culture to it. We come in, we spectate, right? We watch what's happening, we kind of just do our faith on Sundays. But the reality is, is Jesus is saying, listen, you gotta be, if you're going to be a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, come on, somebody. you got to shine bright. Yeah. Right. right? 
Our culture has got to be passion. Our culture of who we are, not just as individuals, but as collectively as a church is so important. So I, I, I jotted some things down about our culture here at the well, just to kind of give us a reminder. We have so many guests here across the weekend. So I think this is a really cool moment for you to hear the heart of, of the well. And then I would also say go to grow next week, because this is where we talk about some of this stuff more in depth. Cultural values at the well, uh, a worship experience that's a celebration. We want our services to be a celebration, not a funeral service. Why? Because God's not dead. Simple as that. So, so Easter is the culmination. Have you ever noticed that churches get amped on Easter? It's like, woo, Easter! Brr, nothing else. Here's what I say. Easter's every day. He got out of the grave. He didn't, he didn't go back. He rose again. He said, listen, this is, this is what's, what's going to happen is that I'm going to get up out of the grave. I'm going to defeat death, hell, and the grave. I'm going to empower you with my spirit, and I'm going to put a vision and a plan and a purpose in your life. And if you follow that, and if you follow me, we're going to see the world change. So our worship services are celebrations, not funeral services. Why? Because Jesus got out of the grave. Got out of the grave. I know that's hard for some of us. Celebration's hard sometimes, but here's what I'm learning, is that in the world that we live in right now, celebration, is, it's a necessity. It's a necessity. I would arguably say, Eric and I would, would probably agree on this together, is that this year has been probably one of the hardest years for us, personally, in our marriage, in our leadership, everything like that. Why? Because as as we're trying to grow as people, it's caused us to have to pay attention and as leaders to pay attention to more things happening around us in the world. And here's something that we've discovered is as we've paid more attention to what's happening around the world, it's hurt our soul. It's hurt our heart. It's made me angry. And so I'm kind of coming back to this place where it's like, no, 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 I need, I need to celebrate. I need to find joy. I need to find excitement. I need to have passion for something greater than the problems around me. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in, in the world. Come on, church. This is, this is what this is about. This is why we preach what we preach. And so here at the well, it's a celebration service. We want to preach the word so that anyone can understand it. Have you ever walked out before and we're like, what? What was that about? We want to preach the word so that every single one of us can walk out and be like, yeah, I can apply it to my life. I can charge hell with a squirt gun. <laughs> Come on, somebody. <laughs> when I have this in this, I can charge hell with a squirt gun. <laughs> I can. When I have this, in here, anything's possible. When I have this in here, it changes me. It changes me. And so we want to preach the word so that anyone can understand it. We want to get to know the person next to us. Come on, everybody, look at your neighbor. Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at your other neighbor. Say you look good today. You look good today. Come on. Ask them for their number. No, don't do that. Don't do that. That's weird. That's strange. We talk about this a lot because sometimes we're, 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 we forget it as people. How many of you would agree with me that the best theater experience that you can ever have 
is that when no one is in front of you, no one is behind you, and no one is on your sides. I mean, if you know what I'm talking about, you don't have to share a cup holder with anybody. You can put your feet up in front of you. How many of you are the theater people that when you watch people walking in, you stick your feet up on the seat? I know, I'll call it, I'll call it, this is church. Time for some repentance. Um, so you put your purse down next to you, right? You grab somebody else's kid and put them in the seat right here. And you're like, oh, this is my kid. This is my kid. What are you talking about? What are you talking about? I'll give you five bucks. <laughs> Why? Because there's this weird thing in people that we have a tendency, we have a desire to, to make sure that there's no one around us on all of our sides. But here's the problem is that it actually rages against who and how God has created us to be. Because we've been created for community. We've been created to be engaged in community. We've been created to be engaged with one another. And so church, many people say like, I don't need church to have my relationship with God. You are 100% right. You don't. I have my relationship with God Monday through Sunday outside of this place. But you do need church to have a relationship with others who are on the same journey with you that can encourage you in moments where you're weak and not strong and everything like that. So we do this thing called church not because we have to sit in seats and stare at somebody yelling at them. That's not why we do church. We do church because we are in life together. We're doing life together. We're doing the journey together. It's relationships. So when we throw those three minutes up, it's not for torture. It's not because we don't have something else to do with three minutes. It's not like the team sat in back and like, guys, we got three minutes in the service. What do we do? Make them talk. Just do that. No, no, no. We want you to actually get the person. We want, we want you to know the person next to you. This is why we have. So we launched downtown today. Come on, somebody. So awesome. I'm still blown away. It hasn't even been able to set in, but that might be the drugs. So, um, <laughs> but as I was thinking about it today, we, we have these smaller buildings with multiple services and, and, and smaller groups of people. Why? We're actually a fairly large church, but we want people to have relationship. We want, we want to be seen and heard. We want to experience engagement. And so many times what we can do is we don't want, we don't want you to feel like a face in a sea of faces. And so we've just said, I think three minutes is a great place to start a conversation that you can finish in the lobby after. That's why we want to get to know the person next to us. Seeing lives change, that's part of our culture around here. Come on, somebody. Seeing lives change. You know, last month alone, I'm not even talking about last year. Last month alone, we saw 50 people say yes to Jesus in our services. 50. Last weekend alone across all of our services, 17 people. Last weekend alone, 17 people, and they're going back to the I said yes table, they're filling out cards, they're getting prayer, they're talking with people, they're engaging. I mean, that's amazing, but it doesn't happen by accident. How does it happen? By culture. By culture. This is who we be, this is who we are. And then getting our hands dirty, that's our last cultural value. Meaning that we want to be a church for the city. We cannot say that we're a church for the city if we're not in our city. So we just planted in our city and here in Sandy and many other places to come. But we got to get involved in our city. We got to be in our city, in our spheres of influence. And sometimes that doesn't look like by just helping the homeless, which is great. But do you know your city is your sphere of influence? It's your workplace. 
it's your college, it's your high school, it's your junior high school, it's the places that you hang out, it's the parks that you go do play dates at, it's all of those things. That's our city. We gotta, gotta be in our city. Number two, every shot, number two. Second thing is this, is that a city is diverse in its people. A city is diverse in its people. Romans 10, 12 through 13, since there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, because the same Lord, everybody say, same Lord. Same Lord. Come on, everybody say, same Lord. Of all richly blesses all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I love that. Diversity. Write this down if you're taking notes today. You need, to, you need to make sure you get this. Diversity is the fabric of heaven. It's the fabric of heaven. As we expand into two locations, it becomes even more of who we are as a church. And one of the most violent acts of good that we can participate in as a community is to fight against the schemes of division that the enemy is trying to establish in our world and in our churches. And we are committed to diversity. And because of that commitment, it means that our church has to look like our city. Come on, somebody. Our church has to look like our city. How many of you agree with me that sometimes it's easy to say, oh, we want anybody and everybody to walk through the four doors of our church? How many of you agree? That's an easy thing to say. It's another thing when the anybody and everybody walks into the church. <laughs> right? Here's how you know if you really believe it. If we believe anybody and everybody can walk into the well, through the doors of our church, if you really believe that, None of us would put our bags and wallets on our seats. Got quiet in church this morning. <laughs> Somebody's like, oh, where are we going with this one? I thought this wasn't the surgical message. It's true. You ever read, you ever read in the tracks? How many of you get on the tracks and be like, I'm saving seats? There's my purse. I put my purse way down over here. None of us would ever do that. Why? Because our city is on the tracks. Here's the question Is our city in our church? I know that's a hard point to take in for a minute. You ever sat next to somebody you disagree with fundamentally? <laughs> well, there was a growl in the church this morning. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> we fundamentally disagreed this morning. <laughs> we got to talk about these things. We got to work through these things. The, viol the violence of good. Hashtag the violence of good. This is, what, this is what we're doing right here. We can't be the church that says nice things but doesn't practice nice things. We, we, we can't be the church that says good things but doesn't practice good things. I had a conversation with somebody. They're like, do you know what you're getting into by planting downtown, putting your second campus downtown? I was like, yes. <laughs> the tracks are right behind it. Yes. Absolutely. I had one person say this to me, no no. Why make glasses off for this one? Can I be your pastor this morning? Why make this place so nice on the inside if the people 
that are potentially coming in are not. That was something that was said to me. And I thought to myself, that's stupid. <laughs> that's in the Bible. That's in the Greek. <laughs> that is stupid is, is in the Greek. <laughs> it's in there. Aaron, you got your Bible? Go find it. It's in there. It's in there. <laughs> Here's why. You know what? We make it nice in there. Because if there's people who walk in who haven't had nice, I want them to know that they are valued. They love. Come on. It's crazy to me that we would downgrade on our excellence because somebody is downgraded in life. Uh-uh. We don't downgrade on our excellence. We upgrade on our excellence so that people who have had a downgraded life and are struggling, they can feel an upgrade. They can walk into someplace and they'd be like, man, these people rolled out the red carpet for me. You want our coffee? Drink our coffee. You need our kids' ministry? Be in our kids' ministry. You need an excellent worship experience? Then we want you in here. You want a clean place to hang out? Then come on in. Hang out. That's crazy to me. We can't be that church. That's how you build chapels with no one in them. Everything's nice. Don't touch it. Don't touch the wall. Don't touch the carpet. <laughs> Don't spill your coffee on the carpet. <laughs> Can't have coffee in the church. No food, no drink. No, 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 no. Right. Be careful. Don't touch. So then everybody starts walking like this in church. <laughs> what do I do? <laughs> a city is diverse in its people. Am I talking to anybody today? <laughs> it's the fabric of heaven. We got to fight for diversity. See, Galatians 3.27 takes us to a very important truth. This is this. For those of you who are baptized into Christ have been clothed in Christ. Every shot clothed. There is no Jew or Greek, slave or free, male and female, since you are all one in Christ. Now, Paul is not stripping away our actual humanity when he writes this, okay? Let's make sure that we understand that. He's not, he's not stripping away our humanity in this statement. What he is saying is that he is showing us that there is unity and diversity. And it's possible because of who we've been clothed in. So this is what I want us to say. We have different faces and we come from different places, but we all have matching outfits. Jesus. I have been clothed in Christ. We have matching outfits. So when you come in here and you've come from a different background and you've come from a different place and you come from a different race and a different creed and a different understanding on things, listen, we have different faces. We come from different places. We have different journeys. But come on, in Christ, we have the same outfit on, right? Like, have you ever gone to a party and you were with somebody who had the same outfit for you? And like, oh, that's kind of awkward, right? Not here. We are clothed in Christ. If we placed our faith in Christ, we are clothed in Christ. Come on, somebody. And so we are a diverse people. We've got to protect diversity. We've got to steward diversity. I never, ever wanted to pastor just a white church. When God called us here to Utah, I literally pleaded with him. I said, God, do you understand? It's the whitest place ever. Come on, can I talk real church this morning? I, we're from Seattle, like originally from Seattle. We were in Phoenix, so we've had culture around us our entire life. I value, I love culture. And it was like, Utah, I was like, 
no. So, like a good Christian, I argued back. <laughs> I said, God, if you're going to send us to Utah, you've got to put something different on this church. That's where the well came from. That's where the name the well came from, because we said anybody and everybody is welcome at the well. It's where anybody can come. They can draw water. They can go back to where they came from and bring others to the well. They can be refreshed. It's not, it's not a respecter of persons. And so I'm pleased to know that we're not pastoring an all-white church. I love, ah, come on, somebody, yeah. I'd quit. Why? Because this place is supposed to look like its city. We're a city within a city. That's what we're trying to accomplish here. So it's, it, it, it's diverse. Number three, we shall number three. A city is forward-focused. A city is forward-focused, Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Therefore, you should pray like this, our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy, your kingdom come, your will be done. How many of you have read this scripture before, maybe even prayed this prayer? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. See, kingdom culture is forward-focused. Notice he uses building words right here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's this constant movement. And the problem is, is that we so many times have a tendency to build monuments rather than movements. How many of you agree with me? The church so many times has a tendency to get stuck. One thing, if you get around me long enough, if you know anything about me long enough, is I, I get fidgety. Like after a little while, if it's been the same for a little while, I'm like, hey, let's, let's do another campus, right? Why? Because we can't become a monument church. We've got to be a movement church. We've got to be moving forward. Why? Because God's constantly moving. He's constantly seeking after those who are far from him. And so we've got to move forward. That's why we do our motion offering around here. Talked about it last week. Many of you, if you are a guest with us today, I will say this. Just listen to the heart of what we're talking about. This may not be for you, but for those of us who call this home, the well home, you know what I'm talking about. And our motion offering, which happens March 24th, is making sure that we can be the church that always says yes to moving forward. Today is a very special day because of your giving last year, all of our giving last year. Today is the day that we launched our North community. Come on, somebody. That, like, that's amazing right there. It's because of your generosity. And so this year we are believing, we are believing this year that Redemption House is not just um, continuing to move forward, but it's off the ground and, and running this year. And I've got some, uh, I've got some cool announcements that I'm gonna make next weekend uh, about Redemption House. Uh, Cofredia, Mexico, many of you went on the build last year. We built one house. We've done that a couple years in a row now. This year we're building two. Yeah. Building two homes this year, all right? Rahab's Rope, it's the trip that Erica and the girls went on. Um, she'll speak to this one later on. We'll have more information about this next week. And on your seat, you're going to find this really cool print piece uh, that has been designed. You get to see all these things and hear some of the heart behind it. We'll talk more about it. Uh, strengthening our downtown campus. Parents, how many of you know children are expensive? <laughs> right? So <laughs> Colin definitely knows. He's got five of them. So... Um, <laughs> And so with our downtown community, we want to make sure that we are strong and keeping them strong as they continue to minister. Uh, we've grown so much here in Sandy, adding new services soon, everything like that. We need to make sure that we are strengthened here and, and can expand into areas that haven't been built out for better kids facilities, so on and so forth. And then future expansion, we've only got four years left here in this building and in our downtown building. And we need to start, our board wants to start, all of us want to start looking forward to the future. We've got a big goal this year. $300,000 is our goal this year. Last year, we raised 
thousand. Come on, somebody. And uh, that, was, that was a cool moment. I know, like four people clapped. Um, it's like Kaisa said, we got to do the work. We got to be engaged in it. Why? We engage in these things when we're forward focused. The well has a big vision, it requires big sacrifice to see it all happen. And so as we approach this annual motion offering that we do every single year, we already have people giving to it. That's amazing. We already have people who are like, we're in, we're, we're gonna make this happen. And so I would just ask that over the next coming weeks, you're gonna hear about it over the next coming weeks, you just go to God and just say, hey, what can we do as a family? Above and beyond our normal giving, what can we do? I know for Eric and I, we've already decided what we're doing. Many others already have. I've been talking with those people. But what can we do to be the church that continues to be forward in motion? And number four, come on, every shout number four. Last one is this, a city can't be ignored. A city cannot be ignored. Watch this, verse 14, you're the light of the world. A city situated on a hill can't be hidden. Check out this picture on the screen. Another picture I want you to see. I don't know if you know what that is. That is Vegas from the space station satellite. Isn't that crazy? That's Vegas. Now, this picture is, is, is really interesting and unique because you can see other, like uh, the Cairo River and Egypt. If you see that from, from the same space station, it's, I mean, it, it's amazing, but it's long, big, New York City, long and big. Uh, this is actually not a ton of concentrated people when you look at the major cities in the United States, especially in the world, but it's one of the brightest from the space station. And that's looking down at Vegas. Here's my question. I wonder if God's church could shine bright like that. I wonder if we could be that. I wonder if we could so shine. Have you ever driven to Vegas before? No one in the first service, so I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> They're like, uh, no. <laughs> if you've driven to Vegas, there's that point in the journey from here, from here you go through Cedar City, St. George, and you start heading to to Vegas, and as you start to, there's this one hill, you know what I'm talking about, and as you start to clip that hill, you can see the, you can see the hue, you don't even see the city yet, you just see this dome of light, and you're like, oh, here we go, <laughs> and then you crest the hill, and you see it, and it's just like, <laughs> whoa, you're, you're almost, you're almost taken back, it's like the Griswold's house, you're just like, <laughs> I wonder if our lives shine bright like that. I wonder if the well could shine bright like that. You know, in my mind today, in my heart, I just thought about God's perspective. He's got to be happy because we got two places that are trying to shine bright in our city like this. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. You can't, you can't hide it if it's shining this bright. And I think for too long and in our culture right now, the church and Christians have a tendency to be hiding. And I just want to encourage us as a pastor, let's not hide. Let's shine bright. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Hide it behind a bush, no way. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it behind a bush. No way. I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine. Come on, how many of you remember this song? I loved it. I watched my kids do it. Hide it behind a bush. No way. 
I'm going to let it shine. There was something exhilarating. There was something fun. There was something joy-filled when those kids got to hide it behind a bush. No way! I'm going to let it shine. Church, can we be a city set on a hill? Can we be the type of people that shine bright? Can we be the type of church that shines bright? In our valley, in our city, in our world, in our nation, can we shine bright? Like never before, I'm gonna ask you to stand to your feet in this moment as we get ready to close. Come on, return to your neighbor and say, you are a light.